What did you say? You have a beautiful voice. All right. What is up, peeps? Welcome back to the Diving Deeper podcast. Oh, damn. Just really loud there, but hopefully that wasn't too bad on your ears. Um, yeah, we're back with another episode. And I say we because it's not just me this time. It's a we this time. You know, it's been a we for, for a while now. Um, about, I get to just be me. You could be you when I can be me. And that's that's not possible when we're we. Okay, you so see? We. Okay, Sam, I am. Sam, I am indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we did a we did an episode together last week. It was fun. Would you say it was fun? I had a good time, surprisingly. Surprisingly. That's not on you. That's on me. <laughs> surprisingly. Well, hold up. Hold up. No, what's this disrespect right now? No, it's not. It's Coming on to my it's, show. It's not you. It's me. Oh God. All right. Well, it is always Kiana because it is never me. Um, but I will say it was enjoyable. It was actually nice to, you know, I usually do this by myself or have a guest on the other end and usually they're remoting in virtually and it's a hassle and having to worry about whether the internet connection drops or whatever. But it's nice to just have you sitting beside me just talking and somebody to just feed energy off of, you know? I feel like, you know, last week, you like you said, you were hesitant coming on because... I gave you no prep ahead of time. We just hop right on. I feel like this time, it was even less prep. I feel like I literally just finished working. <laughs> I just turned around, went to the bathroom, peed, came back. Uh, kind of went to, I guess, drink water or something, come back, turn on the microphone, and immediately we're recording. Way less prep. Um, my neck feels tense. Um, Why so does your neck feel tense? I don't know, man. Life be stressful sometimes. Why is life stressful? Talk to us. Talk to us. Um... I don't know. I don't know. Just working stuff. This is a therapy session. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm feeling uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Well, we'll stop that. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good night. <laughs> Have a good week. We'll see you guys next week. Actually, we'll see you all, you peeps, next week. I'm trying to be more conscious of saying the word guys a lot. Okay. Um, I actually stopped completely saying it at work on meetings and stuff, which mm-hmm. is where I'm kind of more conscious of it. But... Um, you know, it's trying to be gender neutral these days, you know. Um, speaking of gender neutral these days, yesterday we had a, a case where we were shopping and, and you referred to somebody as... Ma'am or miss. You know, miss, excuse me, miss. But their pronouns yeah. were they, them, or theirs. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about, like, those kind of, like, situations? Like, do you feel awkward? Do you feel like... Like, I always wondered, you know from somebody on the other perspective from 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 that person like i would expect that they maybe get that a lot um so i wonder if somebody like that is is hurt by it every time or kind of desensitized to it or i I, i'm guessing i would kind of be a little annoyed no Um, yeah definitely annoyed and like from what i've learned like people just like want you to apologize and move on and right I did not apologize because I was so in my head, and I think that so that's... in your head about returning jeans that you you spent. Okay, here's the thing: spent I half an hour trying them on in the fitting room just to return them for no reason. At, at this point, look, here's my thing: I know what you're gonna say. It was full price. I was expecting a discount. Like, why am I buying? But the thing is, for me, like once I'm at the register, I already committed the time to standing in line, and now I'm at the register. I I, I put these on in the fitting room, and if I was expecting to pay like. 45 or something and then it's like it comes out to 70 i'm just like you know what like 
if I like them, I like them. At this point, just pay for it. Yeah, but my... If you can pay for it, of course. Yeah. Um, the way that I was approaching it is I am i don't need the jeans right away. And so my plan is to... I would like to go to like thrift shops and go through a few options before I pay pr- full price for something. I'm just trying to approach things a little differently this time around. And at so least people- at the minimum... I at least know that the size that I was buying before no longer fits me. So now I know what size I would buy if I were to go to a thrift store. I might not need to, you know, try it on. I think that, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to pay a lot of money for jeans. And I'm trying to, like, be a little bit more conscious, both, like, money-wise and sustainably-wise. Yeah, I was going to ask. Like, a lot of people thrift not for different reasons, whether it's for... You know, just being green conscious or whether it's for price or yeah. maybe even for unique or different style or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't know. Personally, I've just I've never liked the concept of buying someone else's clothes. And that's like not at all like the, the concept overall. I just mean personally for me because I just yeah. get grossed out by the fact that somebody else wore this. But, you know, it's stupid because I saw the other day. Um, people passing down like a sorry not even an article it was a, it was a thread on Twitter of people talking about working in retail and why you should always wash your the clothes that you buy from the store immediately after buying it mm-hmm. and I never thought about how much use it goes through before it even gets to you the fact that it's been sitting in a warehouse the fact that it's probably like been on the floor a million times right the fact that people have tried it on multiple times and who knows their body hygiene and and maybe sneezed on it coughed on it and like in a world where we're super conscious right now about stuff being dirty or gross or whatever um i never really thought about like the clothes like you always think i'm just buying it off the store the store appears clean you know minimalistic i'm like i'm buying this and it's it's brand new and stuff but it's really not it's been used if you were able to try it on in the fitting room means other people have probably been able to try it on in the fitting room or or maybe even returned it and it's gone back to uh the shelf so yeah i i i feel like before covid i really wasn't that clean conscious like i just didn't care i was just like whatever dirty girl (laughs) dirty girl but um i know i know of people who make sure that they clean the clothes that they buy like i've i've heard that before so am I just dirty for not even thinking about that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because the other thing is like worst, <laughs> worst case scenario, like a pair of pants, like you're you're wearing them for a day and then you like put them in the washer. But what guess, about like a shirt? Like I'm pulling this over my face. Yeah, you know? that's true. I mean, either way, it should be clean. Because if you think about it, like it's touching all your other clothes. It's touching like things in your home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nasty. Or if somebody, let's say somebody even like wore it and purchase something wore it and returned it that happens all the time yeah that's what i'm saying like it's you don't even know who's who it's been touching i don't even know if the you don't even know how hygienic the the employees have been so you know i remember there was this one time i bought these pair of jeans from american eagle and they fit me so good they they look so good on me they were so nice on me how long ago was this you don't shop at american eagle um no it was it was a long time ago but those jeans lasted a long time i still have them but point is that for a long time i kept smelling this smell this smelly smell that smelled stop it right there it wasn't like a stinky smell it was like a weird smell and i'm like yo what is this smell that i'm smelling that's smelly and (laughs) 
It took me a long time to realize it was the jeans. I think I wore them like twice. And every time I, o- I would open my... And my, you know it wasn't you. And I knew it wasn't me because I've never smelled that smelly smell that smelled. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> this is a mistake. Any, any Spongebob fans out there knows, knows the deal. Yeah, I mean... I didn't get to watch Spongebob, you know, some of us weren't as privileged, you know, some of us were coming from war-torn nations, just traveling okay. over here to, you know, seek refuge, Okay, you know? yes, yes. No, I'm kidding, I didn't come here as a refugee, but <laughs> I, because I did come here late, and because I'm the oldest in my family, and because of a bunch of other family situations, like, I feel like I didn't really have that uh, cartoony filled childhood as I would have loved. I got to, like, kind of start watching stuff later on, like... Disney Channel shows mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend, like Saturday morning shows, some cartoons here and there. We talked about this the other day, but yeah, but you were like grown already. Yeah, I was not grown. grown. No, I was, I was but... grown. Like I, I didn't watch Zack and Cody until like high school. Like that's late. Yeah, that's late. Um, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I didn't watch like That's So Raven until high school. You know? Yeah. Um, that's insane. But if you watch, like, I feel like that's another thing. I love movies, and if anyone is listening to this is a fan of movies, I do another podcast with some of my friends called the Hour Two Cents Podcast. Um, feel free to check it out. We review a movie every single week. Um, this week we're actually going to review Candyman, which oh man, uh, I was you are always dragged to watching with me because it's just a fun date night idea to do anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you're going to love that so much. Um, that. Well. Background story: The original Candyman is you haunted my. Okay, no. Is you haunted, just you be chomping candy? Man. No, candy, Candyman haunted my childhood. Like I, no. I, most of the viewers or listeners won't know this, but and I've told you about this. But when I was younger, me and my cousin, I used to sleep over my cousin's house a lot, and we would watch movies. A lot of times, scary movies would come up. She was a fan of scary movies. And we would just stay up really late watching scary movies. And then what would end up happening is we'd be so afraid to go to the bathroom that occasionally <laughs> we would be in a bucket and throw it out the window. Nah, see that? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> How old were you? Um, I'm going to say like eight. Nah, you're old enough to know that's, that's not right. <laughs> What the hell? I have no defense, but I was just so scared. And I we also poor didn't... poor guy walking outside. No, it was like three in the morning, so there were I mean What? I don't uh, think there was that's, I don't there's in we're in New York. There's no safe time to throw pee out the window. That you're not gonna get it on someone or something. Poor cat. Thought it was like, you know, it was <laughs> it's time to, it's my time. You know, I, I let everybody walk around all day, it's my time now. You know what? I'm not street. even gonna I'm not even alive and if it was a cat I would think the cat deserves it because I. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We don't do that. We don't do that in this podcast. I've got, I've, I've, I've had many cats pee on my things, and it's not fun. I don't care. What? <laughs> no, we're not. That's not acceptable. No, we're, we're certainly not um, going to allow that that kind of behavior. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I didn't mean to bring that. The here. original point was around how I feel like. There's a gap in my life of those kind of shows now. Yeah. Because every show that I watch is like really serious or like really entertaining or like dramatic or whatever. But I feel like sitcoms aren't really a thing anymore. And a lot of the reason behind that is because a lot of people view them as corny. But I feel like there's a there's a like a huge void in my life for corny, you know? Like I well, want 
I feel like there's some out there feel like, good, corny, like family style. I, yeah, I think there. I think that still exists. Like there's blackish, um, like modern family. Yeah, but family. again, like the humor on those seems like very hyper real. Like I'm looking for I think unrealistic. I'm st- not, but I'm, it, they are funny. Like the same way The Office is hilarious. Yeah. But to me, The Office, I don't watch it and like feel good. Like you know, like I watch it and I think it's hilarious. And mm-hmm. the same thing with these other comedies. But like we just finished watching um, Shit's Creek. Like that's hilarious. But I'm talking about. She was so. Funny. I'm talking. About, like, there's a void in my life of watching like the typical cheesy, like unrealistic family sitcom show. Like whether it's Friends or whether it's. How I Met Your Mother, or whether it's like I used to love my wife and kids so much as a kid. Like these are all stupid, but they're like that. They were that typical '90s and early 2000s um, family in like in front of a couch talking to each other, up to their usual antics kind of situation. And like those, you watch it back now, and you're like, oh well, that's obviously unrealistic. Like people don't make shows like that anymore. But to yeah. me, I kind of grew up on that, and I feel like that gave you some kind of. And I, I'm sure a lot of people looked at it as like that's what the right family should act like. And look, why does my family feel so dysfunctional? That's kind of the reason why sitcoms were invented in the first place. Like they're just meant to like showcase a model, you know, family and the humor and typical like um, white American society and humor. And that obviously has evolved over time to include uh, include other yeah include other backgrounds, ethnicities, races, etc. But like it's always been a you know, uh, romanticized version of what a family's like. No one lives in a family like that. No matter where you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what social class, in quotes, you're part of, no one has a completely fully functional family. It's just part of bringing humans together. It just doesn't work that perfectly. Yeah. But watching that on TV was really enjoyable for me. And maybe that's because I had less of like a a family dynamic growing up, less um, people around me. And it felt like... Maybe I maybe that part of my life was fulfilled through that, but I still crave that. I feel I feel like I want to watch something corny, but things are not corny. Like like movies. Like you know how movies. This is why I love watching Egyptian movies still, or like even Bollywood movies still, or something because they always have an element of cheesy, unrealistic plotline and action, etc. But it's always like feel a feel good story. Here's the thing, though. You you say you want more of that, but then. When the opportunity comes to see movies like that, you're not down. No, I do because you can do mm. cheesy. You can do che- the reason I'm not down for certain movies is when they're just bad, like poorly written, poorly whatever. You can do cheesy and whatever, but do it good, and you could do it homey, like a homey feel. Like, I think a if lot that of- came across, if 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 that perfect movie came along, you would not watch it. I okay. I'm someone who loves Adam Sandler and every Adam Sandler movie. Every single one of those is not going to be rated high, except for Uncut yeah. Gems. But I love, like, that style. I love Jim Carrey-style movies. Fair. I, there's certain movies that I'm like, I, I like I love that, like, style, because it, it doesn't take itself too yeah, seriously. Yeah, but the other thing is I but feel... But it does, it does the humor well in a way that feels like... Like, same thing with Will Smith's movies before he... Yeah, but all those people are people that are, like, well-known house... You already know what you're going to get when you... Well, exactly. you, you can You go into it with an understanding like you see the name and you're like okay cool who's who's like the adam sandler jim carrey of like our generation that's not at their age but but are coming up i would say right now no one because that that there's a less of a market for that people aren't trying to watch some like with the 
you know, rise of just people being able to create content on their own in general. Mm -hmm. People aren't seeking something corny, cheesy, etc. when it comes to a full-fledged movie or a professional show or something like that. And I feel like that's that corny cheesiness has kind of split off into different areas. Like, so if you do want that kind of a feel, some people might get it from reality TV. Some people might get this from drama shows. Some people might get like you get each aspect of what that thing is through different genres. But the whole like homey, you know, feel good movie, mm -hmm. like I'm seeing way less feel good movies just come up. Yeah. And it's also a product of the times. Like it hasn't been so feel good, you know? But I would argue that's why movies in like back home in Egypt, movies are all for the most part usually feel good movies. Like they are always like some the the the, the arc always goes you know, and this has obviously changed recently as Egypt has westernized, etc. But mm -hmm. like the arc has always been movies always contain some kind of song element to them. Movies contain some kind of family element to them. And then by the end, the person finds their lover. By the end, the person succeeds in their mission, etc. Whatever it is, but it's always like it's always a feel good story. There's, what if people are just tired of that? No, but the thing is that happens in I would I would argue that's more prevalent in third world countries where your life and your world are very much the, the real world and the real life where they're not cushy they're not that you know uh family friendly you know silly movie and so you seek to escape your own life yeah. by watching that like entertainment should always give you a place of solace and that you can find that there and so why here in a more cushy environment here in a westernized world maybe you don't view that as much which is why yeah. like horror movies are so much more prevalent here than i would say in egypt for instance like mm -hmm. people are looking for something to scare them back home bro i don't i don't i don't gotta go to the movie theater to get scared <laughs> i just gotta walk outside and I, I say this i'm not trying to like diminish what living in egypt is like because it's not by yeah. any means what people perceive it to be but you know there's poverty there's uh class issues there's mm -hmm. governmental corruption etc like there are things Obviously, we deal with those things here, mm -hmm. but we live in New York. We're kind of, you know, we're doing okay, and you kind of get, sep like, you kind of separate from that a little bit. It's not just at your doorstep anymore. Like, yeah. you know, crippling uh, poverty is not just sitting at our doorstep right now, like it would be in Egypt for me. And so, I think just in general, and also the fact that we in America here just don't have like a a, a common culture to fall back on. It's a new nation. And it's a melting pot of people from all around the world. The and so thing, we don't have that. Like, there's no there's no true American culture, you know? Yeah. Whenever you think about American culture, you think of Southern culture. And that doesn't really count. Like, that's not... Mm. Like, I don't... What's New York culture? You know, New York culture to everybody is something different. It's, New York culture is being a dickhead. Like, that's not a culture. Yeah. That's just... That, that's a way of life. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in Egypt, there's a... On the contrary, there's because of films like that because of stuff like that like i feel like everyone grows up with a really good sense of humor there and everyone grows up mm -hmm. with like very loving kind um like outreaching arms because they like understand what the opposite feels like and they all like grow up with the same kind of qualities that we that a society like that will value whereas here i feel like i'm just so different from my neighbor all the time um, like theoretically speaking everywhere neighbor physically neighbor mentally etc that i don't like i don't share much commonality with them but here's the thing and i think this goes back to like you saying that you like for example for example specifically for new yorkers like we step out and we don't see those kind of things we do we just 
our soul, our society is so individualistic that right. we look right. right past it. We see homeless people. We see people experiencing homelessness. We see people like really struggling. And every day, every day we see it. You don't, you don't walk by someone who's not struggling. That's true. And we just look past it. We put our headphones in. We read a book. We do everything we can to avoid those realities. And I think that's the truth across the U.S. too. Like people are experiencing a lot of shit and a lot of times we just look the other way and keep it pushing we don't think about it we don't even try to understand what like why or what's happening and then when we do think about them we put the blame on them all the time it always happens so i feel like whereas like back back home in egypt i'm sure that people are a lot more like like they're prioritizing like community they're prioritizing family so Mm -hmm they notice those things a lot more, I'm sure. Yeah, like I always go back to the example of if I fall in the street here, like I always use this example because it's a very like basic example. If I fall down on the street here, maybe someone will help me up, maybe someone will not. But the most, the best outcome that could happen out of that is someone like goes, hey, are you okay? And helps me up. But most of the time, it's just it's a cold shoulder. Like people just walk right past you, mm-hmm. um, etc. Maybe someone laughs at you. Who knows? <laughs> but Savage. someone like you, or maybe someone w- just throws pee at you from their window. Oh, you know who knows? Maybe I just fall down and I fall into someone's pee from no. last night. So, um, but back home, and at least maybe this is again my perception of it through rose-tinted glasses from when I was younger living yeah. there. But back home. Because the villages you live in, the communities you live in are so close-knit that even if somebody doesn't know you, you fall down, you're most likely falling down. Like, the, the way the streets are set up, and you've seen this in other countries that we visited, but the way the streets are set up is stores are very outward-facing out into the street. People are encouraged to sit outside. It's very much like open cafes everywhere. And so if you fall down anywhere, someone, undoubtedly someone, will come over, help you up, maybe invite you in give you some tea etc like there's a whole communal you saw this a little bit in morocco when we were there like we were in morocco we were buying clothing in the street markets you were haggling like a clown um (laughs) the worst haggler i've ever seen just disrespecting everybody but there are moments where i I didn't have cash for instance or i needed help with something and somebody like one of the owners would call his friend to come put me on a motorcycle with him that to go me. to go find cash like all the way down in the city square i thought i was away. never gonna see you again i no. thought you were i thought yeah. you were a goner i thought you were and gonna get chopped up somewhere he finds out i speak arabic too he invites me over upstairs with him and his family and his kids like i'm just buying i'm look i'm not even buying by the way i'm just looking at jewelry in his store i was not and all of that was offered and that's not something people do so often here unfortunately yeah and, maybe, and that's and why I, it was such a stressful scenario for me because i'm like okay now i'm alone in a country by myself my boyfriend is i don't know where yeah they didn't tell me where this, this but again like thing was. so that's the thing like here like back home in egypt no one ever worried about you having your phone on you or you have like knowing exactly where you are at all times things just felt safe even like ironically speaking in a country that's more riddled with you know crime probably than new york city for instance I mean, I don't know about that, actually. I'd have to look that up. But, or sorry, more riddled with poverty, with which most people probably, you know, connect with crime. Mm-hmm. And here, though, 
there's such an like there's all like we live in a culture of fear and the news does that especially here in america where it profits off of just the culture of fear and just driving fear into everyone's heart that everywhere you go you're always like conscious of like where you are you need to have your phone on you you need to at all times know where your loved ones are etc i need to text you like where are you if i don't hear from you whereas back home and maybe it's changed since then and i'm sure it has changed because there's been a whole revolution since i've been there Mm -hmm. but you know it just it wasn't like that and i could as a young little kid two three years old wander off and come back with no issues and like the point is when you have a, a common culture that you can fall back on everyone feels some kind of communion to each other mm-hmm. so feel you feel some kind of community which is why like people love to you know crap on organized religion so much but i feel like humans have found a way to make that you know part a community like you can mm-hmm. find somebody from across the entire globe who has no geographical commonality with you no ancestral commonality with you but you both believe in the same principles and beliefs and because of that you share common ground and then you break bread together like that is yeah a beautiful part of organized religion for instance but we're so secular here in america which is obviously against that we're so you know like non uh we love to not basically bring culture and ethnicity and etc into state affairs into you know public affairs we'd love to not talk about our political affiliation we love to not talk about our families we love to not talk about anything when it comes to you know work life or school life or whatever it is that you just lose all of that and like you said it's way more individualistic here whereas back home it's just way more communal and i appreciate that because it means i always have something to fall back on i never feel alone mentally which is where i feel a lot of my stress and anxiety comes from and I'm sure it's different, like in small town USA here. Like it's we talk, we're talking through the lens of living in a, a big city like New York. Yeah. I'm sure if I lived in a small town where everybody knew each other, it would be a different vibe. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I don't want everybody to be to feel some kind of kinship because they know each other already. Though, I'm talking about like feeling some kind of kinship based off the fact that you're just another human being who I care for automatically. But I feel like here in America, that kind of kindness is just perceived as weakness a lot more mm-hmm. like so many people including you in my life have told me that i'm just too kind and yeah. that to me that that to me that's always been so baffling because there's no such thing that's like saying that's you're too much of a good thing like how can that be true yeah. if anything like i'm always just like you know you have to be kinder i have to be kinder myself etc how can someone be too kind then that means that there's there's a punishment for being kind which should never exist is that something that you feel like you learned from like where where did you where did that come from for you like was that something that was taught to you or did you what kindness yeah no just like the um, not just kindness you make it seem like i'm an (laughs) evil person no bobby (laughs) what, what what are you specifically asking like i mean like you like you go super out of your way to accommodate others and to be kind which is amazing but like just just curious like is that something that you feel like came from something that you learned from family your parents was it from religion or was it just something that you felt like is right like where did that come from yeah it's a good question i don't even know i feel like it's a combination of everything like i can say it's a combination of my upbringing and the values that i was raised with but also a consequence of kind of growing up in abusive 
household you know mm-hmm. so like there's two flip there's a flip to there's a flip side to each of that coin basically like yeah. that's one sense from my upbringing um i think it's also just because of that growing up i always valued you know friendship like and i'm yeah. not saying that with friends i mean that with literally anybody i've always valued you know caring about people um i feel like when you see and experience the opposite you always try to you know mediate that by doing the opposite i mean there's some people who deal with trauma in certain ways but i feel like with me i've always sought approval from others as well so that probably ties into it um and that's like a flaw of of my own that Mm -hmm. i like i'm fully conscious of but like for me there's just i always think of things very logically I do think of things emotionally too, but very logically and just logically speaking, I always thought of it as if everyone was just nicer to each other, we'd then no problems. we'd be all great. So why I feel like not being nice to somebody because they're not nice to you or because people are in your perception nice by default, that's like a bit of a selfish trait. Yeah. And I hate selfishness in general like that's mm-hmm. like something that's like to the antithesis of me yeah. which is why you ask why i like it, it is very selfish of me i kind of i I'm, I'm nice to people and give a lot in a very selfish way because that's what brings me happiness like i genuinely yeah. by helping you by helping others and i'm not trying to say this to sound selfless or to sound like a hero or whatever because i'm not like i'm literally yeah, not you're admitting that it's, that's it's, what, that's it's what so brings selfish, me happiness yeah. yeah like that's just what brings me happiness but when i that's why when i see like you accidentally do something that I might perceive as selfish. Like, I guess super, like, uh, you know, I, I'm super attuned to that is because I just don't like it. I, I just, I need everybody to do more for each other so that we mm-hmm. can all feel good. I want everybody to just be happy. Yeah. And that's like in a, in a personal pursuit of my own happiness too. So yeah. to me, I'm happy if others are around me are happy and they're not going to be happy if, you know, things don't happen to make them happier so as much of that as i can affect personally i'll do to make sure that people around me feel happier but there's only so much i can do like you said and something that i've been focusing on this year is just knowing those boundaries and knowing how much extending myself might get me to because maybe if i overextend myself then i don't give myself the the freedom to pursue my own happiness to a degree and even though my happiness is derived from others happiness if i'm burnt out from just all of that effort then it's counterintuitive because at the end of the day i'll still be stressed and i'll still be exhausted and i'll still be at the end of my rope and so that's not beneficial to anyone and so as a result of that i may be more irritable around you or i may be i may not be as nice and so to me once i realized how counterintuitive that was it's hard to realize that there needs to be I need to develop certain boundaries of when to when to stop extending my hand, which is very difficult for me because at the end of the day, like I still will do it ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But there are instances where I need to know like to reel back a little bit because in combination with being nice and doing things for others, I also I would view myself as a hard worker and I have a good work ethic and so I've always viewed things as don't start something unless you plan on doing it 110 mm-hmm. percent and which is why of course ironically i've neglected this podcast because i always feel when i'm not giving something my all i just don't have the motivation to do it but the 
goal for me is always to do something at 100 plus percent. And so if I'm helping someone, it's always at 100 plus percent. And very often it's it's more dedication to them than they're dedicating to themselves. Yeah. And that's just not fair on me. That's not fair. That's frustrating. And it also like you end up losing on all sides. I mean, you feel good because you're helping, but right. Yeah, that's but if it's tiring me out, then I can I can help less. Yeah. And I become helpless. Ooh, bars. That's bars for you. That's your daily <laughs> dose. Daily dose of bars right there. Well, we, we've been talking for for a bit now. I feel like I've been talking. I've been doing most of the talking. You've just been kind of listening. So I might as well have just made this a solo podcast and let it's you okay. listen I'm, afterwards. I'm, I'm asking a few that's questions That's one less listener I'm getting. That's true. That's true. You're interviewing me on this. Yeah. Welcome to my show. Is there anything else you would want to say about that, though? Like, about the, you, you asked me, obviously, about where that kindness comes from no i guess it's because i like i think about how different i am like my perspective is like i and i think it could be because i grew up in new york my parents grew up in new york um i'm sure they experienced a lot of crazy well they have experienced a lot of crazy things growing up in new york in a really rough neighborhood so growing up i've always been told like you can't trust everyone you have to take care of yourself and focus on yourself and just don't worry about anything else. You know, you don't overextend yourself because, you know, you help where you can, but you don't overextend yourself. Um, and that's, you know, my I was taught that, but I won't say that my parents don't do that, you know, don't care about others or don't. They, they also overextend themselves. So it's like it's like you see it being done in practice. But what you're told is like you have to be careful. You have to. um like, be careful who you trust. You have to, like, be careful who you surround yourself with. So I always had those, like, walls up. Mm-hmm. So for for to see someone like you, like, that's why I'm curious, like, where did that come from? Was that something that was just inside of you growing up? Or was that intuition? Is that just, like, how, like, the values that you grew up with? Was it something that you were explicitly told that you have to be, like, so kind to a thousand percent to the point where, like, you're like at the detriment of yourself that's why i was curious because i know for me it's like you look around you you see how people are treated and you put your walls up and you take care of yourself and you do what you have to do to get by yeah i guess i wish i had that if i I feel like if i had that dedication to myself i would be a lot more quote-unquote traditionally successful than i feel like i am right now okay hold up you you are successful you do really well for yourself. You have a great career. People respect you. And I think you're on a great path. Whether you decide to go down that path and stay on that path, you can decide to do anything you want. But I don't, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> we, that. I we, think I mean... We ain't having none of that today. <laughs> I think I mean... You're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right, as always. But I think for me, I'm speaking in this lens, I guess, specifically from my passion projects and stuff yeah. like that. And that's why I've just never had the self-confidence to pursue them. And I've always sought external validation for things, which is why it's easier to kind of progress in a more traditional career where that is very much affected by others. Mm -hmm. And as the oldest, as always being responsible, as being a worry war, I've always just stayed away from opportunities that only arise when you just throw yourself out there and take a gamble, take a risk. I'm not uh, a huge risk taker, which I need to work on because my whole process has always been, you know, 
why take a risk? Like you should always, you could do both at, at once. It's always been, I can, you know, have the safety net of developing wealth for myself, but also pursue my passion projects uh, and use one to fuel the other. Mm-hmm. But as I grow, I realize that's just simply not too feasible from a time perspective and from an energy level perspective. Obviously, both those are tied um, perfectly. But the what I once thought was endless energy that I had to do stuff is just not there anymore. And whether for physical reasons or mental reasons or whatever, that's just due to the fact that we spend so much time focusing on one thing every day, working, that it's hard to just step away from that after work and just start working on something entirely new mm-hmm. um, and, and something that is creative led or, you know, requires imagination. It's not just something that you can just conjure up. Mm-hmm. It's not just like going to the gym where I can just folk, like force physical energy out of me. It's this is, you know, this requires, I think it's one of the hardest things to do to be creative. It's, it requires so much mental aptitude and capacity and energy that it's not just something that you can just conjure up randomly. It's something that you have to let, allow to fester within you just on its own organically. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to do when you, when our lives are just the same kind of same little hamster wheel run every single day um, and doing the same thing every single day, expecting an entirely different result is just not feasible. And that's kind of why a lot of our day, daily lives are not conducive to creative thinking. And I think that's by design. I think if yeah, that were 1, the case, percent. you know, society wouldn't function the way it does right now. So, I was I, I was listening to a audiobook um, by Brene Brown, and she was talking about how like creativity, like for a lot of people, die at. I think it was elementary school or middle school, and it's because like you'll start working on something and automatically someone's telling you like i think they start great right or wrong in in the u.s at least like arts and crafts and arts class like that started that starts receiving a grade at middle school Mm. so once that starts happening you have like art teachers telling you no that's not good no you did not draw that circle (laughs) well no you did not like paint this nicely no that technique is wrong you didn't sing that well you didn't didn't sing and so it like crushes like so much like people's comfort with creativity that after that they never try and how can you put an objective score on something that's so subjective this is shit you go to art museums and you see some like just colors you could say it's crap it's It's, crap it's it's you it to me up it looks like crap but that's like that person is being creative and like they chose certain colors and they're they're doing something from a creative space and these things are super valuable to some. And so, like, for, like, regular people like us, it sucks that, like, that creativity is smushed from such a young age. Like, but that's you- the difference between people like us and people who have successfully, you know, pursued a career in creative in a creative field is, is that they were so focused on this mm-hmm. one singular thing that yeah. they would not allow anyone to get in the way of that, no matter how much failure exists. And for people like us who need that kind of validation, who don't have the safety net to pursue something if they do fail, then it's the odds are way too stacked against us to do that. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to be a little bit psycho to drown out everybody else yeah. in order to pursue something that strongly. And for me, 
I've just never found that it's it's so intimidating to not feel like you have that level conviction over something. If I had absolute conviction over something, then it would be easier to just pursue it at all costs. You know, to know, okay, if I just keep fighting for this, I'm going to love it. But yeah. I need to know that I'm going to love this in the future in order to pursue it with that kind of vigor, with that kind of psychosis, you know? You know, I don't think... I'm starting to think that, like, it really does... I don't think it comes down to, like, psychosis or being that determined... It's, I think it's, I it's, think it's, 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 it's determination, but also I think like for so many of us, we operate out of fear, like fear of judgment, yeah. fear of being... It's persistence is what I think. Yeah, but I think before persistence even comes along, like we operate from so much fear of being judged, fear of being rejected, fear of, of not being seen as good, that mm-hmm. we don't even get to the point where we can develop something and then and then be persistent after it i think fear stops us from even thinking about that option well i think some people are persistent when they know this is what they want to do for the rest of their life so they put their fear aside yeah and i'm saying i've never known something to that degree yeah like something has to happen for you to feel like so sure that that's exactly what you want to do you've always loved it for me i've been so logical with everything that i love too many things for me to feel that way about any one singular thing do it all and, and it's just impossible to do it all yeah. so you know i mean i'm still on that pursuit i'm still young yeah i'm still a ripe age of 21 and a half oh my gosh and lies lies <laughs> and you're young too yeah we're Albeit so young to a lesser extent yeah but you're, you're still very young yeah you're, you know teetering on retirement age but it's still young yeah. you're still young you still have your your the third chapter of life ahead of you um, and yeah. we're both we're both gonna we're both gonna kill it. Yeah, there's so much. The um, of of last week, one of my close friends, who I think you should have on this podcast sometime, um, mentioned to me and Osama that she has her second career lined up. She's mm-hmm. she's in her master's program now for one career, and she already has a second lined up and she's ready for her third and her fourth and i'm just like she's assured of it and she's assured of it so i think that that would be a great person to have on this podcast to hear her talk about that so if you're listening to this this is a this is a personal call out yeah take a test of if you're listening if (laughs) if you are listening to this hit me up and let me know when you want to record (laughs) that's a good test and i'll and i'll update this, uh, this 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 cast later or whenever it happens next week um on whether that's gonna happen or not maybe in the future all right is that a good place to end it i think that's we'll a good place to end it all right thank you all for listening if you did listen this far into this episode of the diving deeper podcast with myself your boy truly osama um and joined with my girlfriend kiana this week and probably a few weeks now that we live together Again, if you don't know where to listen to this or if you just happen to uh, you know, just find this randomly, you can find it on any podcast listening platforms that includes Spotify, Apple iTunes, uh, Deezer. I don't even know. Whoever's listening on Deezer, I mean, props to you. Um, we looked at the analytics the other day. There's a lot of people listening from a bunch of different platforms, but a bunch of different cities and countries too, which is always kind of cool to see. Um, and if you're that person, again, I've said this multiple times before, but if you're that person from Clichy, France, hit me up, man. I want to know who you are because this is one individual that's just always listening from that town or city or whatever. So 
might have to just go out there and visit you know, next time we go to Paris. Uh, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening again. And I'll catch you all next week in the next episode. Goodbye.